Hey everybody, it's Pastor Mike, and I want to say thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity for you to know God. We also believe small groups, the best thing we do, are your opportunity to find freedom. For more information, including locations, service times, which small groups to participate in, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. My prayer for you as you listen to our message today is to encourage you and to help you take your next step to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Let's jump right into the message. Well, hey, everybody. Today is the final week in our 10-week series going through the book of Philippians. If you've missed any of this series, I wanna encourage you to get on our podcast, our YouTube page, or get on our website, or even our app. If you don't have our app downloaded from the Apple Store or Google Play Store, I wanna encourage you to grab that. And, and get caught up on this sermon series. This is a 10-week message series through Philippians. How many of you, this has been a blessing to you? Anybody been challenged by this series? Praise God. So turn with me to Philippians 4, since you brought your Bible. Next week, we start a new series called What We Believe, looking at four of our cardinal doctrines as a church. But today, we're finishing Philippians 4 with a message I've called The Joy of Generosity, The Joy of Generosity. And I wanna tell you on the front end, this is not a money talk, this is a joy talk, and this is about being a generous people in every part of our lives but the joy of generosity. So months ago, uh, I published an article, I had an article published that essentially outlined these 10 uh, parts of the book of Philippians that became this message series. We're gonna post it online this afternoon for you to go back and read as well. That's a a simple periodical article, but, but I focused the entire article on the overall theme of joy that's found throughout the book of Philippians. They, we, we see the word rejoice and the word joy, like it's, it's a consistent theme throughout Paul's letter to the Philippian church, saying things like, there is joy in following Jesus. There is joy in serving Jesus. There's joy in suffering for Jesus. There is joy in proclaiming the name of Jesus to others. There's joy in forgetting what's behind and straining ahead towards the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. There's joy in belonging to the church of Jesus. There is joy in praying to Jesus and believing that Jesus is near. There's joy in getting our mind on the right things under Jesus. There is joy in living this life, Philippians 1.27, living this life knowing that whatever happens, we can live a life that honors Jesus. A life of joy is a life with Jesus. Now, let me talk a moment about joy. Honestly, when I talk about joy, the, the understanding we should have is way deeper than just happiness or being elated. For many, we think of joy as circumstantial. My bank account's right, my relationships are right, my health is right, my job's right. And as long as everything's going right, I'm happy. Listen, joy can produce happiness, but joy is way deeper and way more valuable and, and way more uh, connected to the person and the work of Christ than is your circumstances all being right. How many of you know circumstances change? Relationships change, health changes. How many of you know in your 40s, your health changes quicker? Oh God, help us, Jesus, please. Joy cannot be dependent on your circumstances. Joy can produce those feelings of happiness but joy looks more like a deep level of contentment and satisfaction and centeredness based on the connection we have to God through our faith in Jesus. Let me say it like this. Joy is connected to peace with God. Joy is connected to contentment with God and it's found in satisfaction that we're close to Christ and Christ is close to us. An angel spoke to Mary, the mother of Jesus, in Luke chapter two. We know this famous text from the Christmas narrative 
when the angel spoke to her and said, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The joy that God has to offer is for everyone. It's not for some, it's for everybody who puts their hope and trust in Christ. Look at this. I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. Joy is directly tied to Jesus. This is one way I like to say it. True joy comes with a life fully devoted to Christ. If you wanna grow in joy, grow in Jesus. If you wanna have a more joyful disposition, you need to grow in your prayer closet. You need to grow in worship. You need to grow in your walk with God. And when your joy is in Christ, watch this, then everything we do as we follow Christ is a joy for us to do as well. Let me say that one more time. When your joy is found in Christ, then everything you do to follow Christ is a joy for you. That includes everything. Everything we do, everything we say, it it, it includes sharing the gospel, suffering for Christ, giving big gifts, saying no to sin. All of our life with Jesus is a life of joy. I want you to understand this today. There is joy with Jesus. And we're gonna talk about the joy of generosity in a moment, but before we get there, I wanna jump right into Philippians 4. And I wanna, I wanna set us up in verse 10 with the first thought of here of this text. If we're gonna have joy, I, I want you to understand that Jesus is the secret weapon to this life and a life with joy. Anybody ever had secret weapons? Come on, soldiers, y'all know what I'm talking about. Somebody asked me the other day, do I carry weapons? And my immediate reaction was to flex my arms. I'm such a dad. I was like, yeah, I got Smith and Weston right here. I can't remember where we were. I was at a lunch and somebody asked me like, do you carry a weapon? I was like, <laughs> like without even thinking, <clears throat> of course I do. <laughs> Deadly weapons. <laughs> Every time I lay hands on somebody is to pray and I beat the devil. Come on now. That's, that's the ultimate Jesus juke right there. That's the ultimate like Christian nerd version of a, <laughs> I got these hands, the devil don't, anyway, whatever. Shut up, Mike. Let's move on. <clears throat> We're gonna pick up in Philippians 4 and I'm gonna, un, I'm gonna undo how we talk about one of the most awfully quoted verses in the Bible in a minute, but we gotta get into it. If you remember in the last text, we saw Paul's writing to these Christians in Philippi and he's telling them first to get along. Remember Euodia and Syntyche are fighting, we don't know why, and he's like, please help these women get along. And then he says, uh, rejoice in the Lord always, be reasonable all the time to everyone, God's with you, so pray about everything. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your heart and mind. And he said, and get your mind right. Have right thoughts, whatever's pure and honorable and trustworthy and and of good report, think of these things. And then he says in verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Paul's their founding pastor, the apostle that started their church in Philippi and he's held in a Roman prison And somehow he got a care package, I guess. I don't know how he knows that they care for him. I just imagine like getting a a box with like local goods. Can you imagine Paul and Philippi in the prison? Like, ooh, some peanut brittle, this is awesome, Philippi. It's like, anyway, so I I don't know what happened. He, He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me. You were concerned for me but you had no opportunity to express that concern. He's closing out his letter by thanking God for the heart of his church family in Philippi. Look at this, I'm thankful to the Lord, but I'm thankful for you. Specifically that they love and care for him. Can I just say as a pastor in prison, 
It's gotta be nice to know that the churches you planted still care for you. Specifically, he's beginning a discourse, and we're gonna get into this in a moment, about the reality that these Christians care for him, that they're, they, they care for his ministry calling, what he's doing in ministry, and that he's really thankful for their financial support. We're gonna see some financial care packaging here in just a second. But he's honest when he says, you used to be concerned for me. And I don't know what happened, but you know, that kind of dried up, or we lost touch, or we stopped communicating. But, but you didn't have opportunity to express it. In other words, some, somehow you guys didn't have a way to give help to me or, or we lost touch in letter writing or whatever. But for some reason, they've re-engaged with Paul's ministry. They've sent financial support. They sent him care packages. They've sent letters of support saying, we see you, we're praying for you. And man, Paul is so encouraged by the support of the people that he cares for. Can I just gush for a minute as a pastor and tell you like, I'm, I'm always so thankful for you. Like you don't even understand as your pastor how grateful I am for you. I've known pastors that like complain about their church and they complain about where they work. And they're like, uh, uh, you know, if I could do anything else, I would. And I'm like, I don't know what kind of church you're pastoring, but you should come to LifePoint because it is flipping awesome. Like, I just love it here. And let me just tell you how thankful I am for you. It's always exciting when we're all going the same direction. Can I hear an amen? Somebody, like if you remember in the last text, they're fighting and they're factions and they're, 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 they're divided from one another. They're, they're arguing and he's like, please settle your conflict because it's way better when we're all going the same direction. How many of you are thankful we don't have a dramatic church, everybody? Can I hear an amen? I just wanna tell you, I'm excited that we're going somewhere, we're doing something for God and, and listen, when we're all going the same direction, our hearts are aligned in ministry and mission, we're serving each other, we're generous towards the church's future, building something great, man, it is just encouraging. And I thank God for you. I really do. Like Stephanie and I, we, our team, we thank God for you. And when you go all in with Jesus, when, when you're in strong support of what God's doing with this church, it's not about me, it's about LifePoint, right? And the mission of God on this church, you're participating in small groups, you're giving in tithes and giving in offerings, you're feeding thousands of kids. I mean, it's just so exciting and it feels great. So I just wanna tell you as your pastor, like, let's keep going forward. Let's stay all in together. And, and, and I wanna encourage you with something. Listen, if you're not a part of the flow of this vision, jump on, because it's fun, it's great, it's exciting, and we're doing something for God, everybody. I'll just never forget being 30 years old, moving here, my wife and I, moving here with our two young daughters and, and just begging God to send people to this church. And then, like, when we look over the last 13 years, what you have done to support the vision of this church that God has gifted us. I mean, the dreams, and, and you've, you've given towards it, you've served it, I can't even believe it, it blows my mind. And so thank you on behalf of two grateful pastors and a team here, we are so grateful that we're all a part of this. And if you're not a part of it yet, come on, let's go. If you wanna fight and be dramatic, let me help you find another church. Just kidding, I wouldn't do that to my pastor friends. Now, my pastor enemies, I got a few of them too. I'll, I'll send, I'm just kidding, come on. Now, Paul says this like a disclaimer. Watch what he says. I'm so thankful that you've revived concern for me. You were indeed concerned at one point, but you didn't have an opportunity. And then he almost like, like, a, like, a, like trying to give a disclaimer as a pastor, and I put the parentheses here. He goes, not that I'm speaking of being in need. Every pastor hates talking about money, you know, right? Like, Paul did, I do, because you never know what people in the church think about when the pastor talks about money. I grew up in a family, not in church, many of you have heard this, but like 
they would say, all the pastor wants your money. All the pastor wants is your money. And then when I got called to ministry, my grandfather was like, you'll never make a living as a pastor. I was like, wait a minute. I thought all we care about is money. Anyway, so, so it's always been real. No pastor likes talking about it, right? So, so Paul's like giving this qualifier. I'm not talking about being in need. Watch what he says. For I have learned, and I want you to underline this, I have learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. Everybody say content. Has anyone else fully learned contentment? Yeah, praise the Lord, one person. We, that's it, like none of us. <laughs> I mean, I, I just appreciate Paul's honesty to go, I've had to learn this. You know what that means is I didn't know it before. He may have been gloriously saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, but he was not a man with the maturity of contentment. He had to learn it. And you know how you learn contentment? This right here. Watch what he says. I've learned in whatever situation, I'm to be content. And then he goes, I know how to be brought low. You remember his story? Shipwrecked multiple times, left for dead, floating in the ocean. He got beaten 40 lashes minus one five times. In prison multiple times. He goes, I know how to be brought low. And then he says, I know how to abound. He was the top of the game when it comes to the religious circles. He was the, the, the cream of the crop. He was the high falutin leader. And Paul writes here, honestly, and he goes, look, I'm, he's gonna start talking about money. He goes, I'm not talking about my needs here. I'm not talking about me being in need because I've learned the secret of needs. I've learned that I'm to be content whether I have everything or I have nothing. He's been to the highest heights and the most excruciating lows, but he's learned this. It tells me the fact that Paul had to learn this, that it doesn't come instant. Some of us want instant maturity. Some of us want instant contentment. Some of us have bought into a lie in the church world that if you'll come to Jesus, everything will be perfect. No way. Paul is way more spiritual than me because he's willing to admit that he's had to learn this. He's had to learn to be patient. He's had to learn to be content and he's had to learn maturity. Did you know maturity is not one of the fruit of the spirit? We got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, not maturity. Maturity is part of just a process of you gotta go through some stuff. You know how you grow in maturity? Highs and lows. Now watch this. He gives us the secret of finding contentment. He says, I've discovered, I, I, I've learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. How? Next verse. In any and every circumstance. Paul loves exhaustive language. Remember in the last text, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Be reasonable to everyone. Pray about everything. Here's what Paul's saying now. In any and every circumstance, I want everyone to be honest. Anybody got any circumstances going on right now? Every one of them. Some of y'all got some high highs going on right now. You got a promotion, you got a good job, you got money just pouring into your attic. I mean, I don't know what's going on with you. You just got gold doubloons in your lunchbox every day. Anybody got some other circumstances, like some low lows, got some family drama going on, you got some heat, you got a bad diagnosis, you got some whatever? Depression, anxiety, you like watch the news a while and you're sad. In any and every circumstance, watch this, I have learned, here he says it again, I've learned the secret. The secret of facing plenty and nothing and hunger. The secret of facing abundance and need, here it is, I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. Now, this is the most over and misquoted text in Philippians. God loves this verse, that's why I'm preaching it. He's just bringing a little thunder. <laughs> Let me have it, Lord. <laughs> if the power goes out, and no, I'm leaving, okay, everybody? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> no, I'm not. Stand. Bless the Lord. I want all of you to see this secret weapon, the secret to a life of joy, the secret to a life of centeredness, the secret to a life of contentment. Are you ready? Watch this. See, a content life is a joyful life. A content life is a centered life. Here's the secret. There are tons of books out there, self-help lectures, podcasts, episodes of Oprah that'll try to sell you the secret of happiness. Get rich quick schemes, fix your, your body fat quick schemes. Like there's literally an international best-selling book secret called The Secret. And it suggests this law of attraction is the secret to help you have a joyful life that you can will it into existence. You can attract good into your life and if you have enough good, then you'll have all joy. Believe hard enough, say it enough, keep it in your mind, be positive energy enough and attract it. Even some charismatic Christians say it like this, we're gonna name it and claim it. We're gonna blab it and grab it, gonna confess it, we're gonna possess it. The problem is, number one, Jesus didn't die for you to own the universe like that and it just doesn't work. Like ask any committed Christian who suffered like Paul, like the parents who've lost their children, like the people who've had accidents that left them in wheelchairs, but love Jesus. It just doesn't work. It's not true. I've always rejected that charismatic, that, that prosperity gospel kind of mindset within the charismatic movement. It just doesn't work. It's like the way to grow in maturity is to go through some stuff. The way to grow in contentment is to trust Jesus, here's what he says. I have found the secret of facing a lot and a little, highs and lows. Here it is. The secret is not everything working out my way and me attracting all the right people around me and some fake positivity. The secret weapon to a life of joy and contentment and centeredness is realizing that I can go through the highest highs and the lowest lows. I can have more than enough or never enough. I can have good times and bad, and I can do it all through Jesus who gives me the real strength to live this life. The secret is not us. The secret is not us getting out of stuff. The secret is walking through the valley of the shadow of death and walking through some things knowing that greater is he that's in me, that he walks closer than a brother, that he never leaves me nor forsake me, that because I belong to Jesus and he belongs to me, I can go through anything because he is going through it with me. The secret's not avoiding pain, it's walking through pain with Jesus. The secret's not having more, it's having more because Jesus gave you more. Are you hearing me? The secret to this life of joy and contentment and centeredness is more Jesus. I wanna encourage you, listen, you can go through anything. I want you to look at me right now when I say this to you. You can endure hard things. You can go through great things. You can walk through anything as long as you're walking through it with Jesus. You can walk through relational failures. You can walk through job loss. You can walk through terrible diagnosis of your health. You can also walk through extreme wealth and blessing. You can walk through any of it and it'll never own you and never destroy you because Jesus is the Lord of your life who walks with you through it all. Go all in, live every day of your life fully devoted to Jesus. Then come what may, whether you have a lot or a little, it doesn't matter because you have Christ and you can do all things through Jesus who is your strength. Man, we love to misquote that scripture. It's like a, a motivational poster. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then you go do dumb stuff that you're not meant to do. Like you can't do all things. You can't fly off a building without a parachute. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, you can't, dummy. You can't rob a bank in Jesus' name. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, brother. Give it all here. You're dead. 
Don't misuse the Bible to try to build a better you. Appropriate the scripture to build a humble you and a dependent on Jesus you. Are you hearing me, everybody? The thing is, you can go through anything when you have Christ with you and when you've given your life to Jesus. This is why we tell you to live every day fully devoted followers of Jesus. Then it doesn't matter what happens. That's Paul's attitude. He's like, this is the secret of contentment. I can do it all because I'm in a relationship with Jesus. Remember where he's writing from, a Roman prison full of joy because the Lord's with him in that prison. Are y'all hearing me today, everybody? All right, then he makes a shift to their generosity. And I want you to understand that there's joy in generosity and generosity even more than money, generously, generous with your time, generous with your skills, your abilities, generous with your resources. Is all, it should be the joyful generosity is when it's about partnership with God's mission. It's not enough to just be generous, but like what brings joy and generosity is when we partner our generosity with what God's doing. Our joy is because we're in relationship with Christ and what, how we behave is a reflection of that joy. And one of the ways the Philippians showed their joy in Jesus was their generosity. In verse 14, he says, uh, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not trying to talk about being in need. I'm, I'm fine, I'm, I'm content. But then he says, yet or but, it was kind of you to share my trouble. We're gonna unpack that phrase in just a minute. I want you to underline the word share. It was kind of you to share my trouble. And he says, you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I started in ministry, when I left Macedonia, that's where he, he, he was launched out into ministry. Look at what he says, underline this, no other church, no church entered into partnership. That is recurring relational connection, right? No other church entered into partnership with me in giving and in receiving except you only. And we're gonna talk about that in just a second. Even in Thessalonica, he was in Thessalonica planting churches, right, to the church of the Thessalonians. He writes two letters to them. You sent me help. You sent me money and resources and encouragement once and again. Like there's recurring pattern of, of generosity of the Philippians church. And I love this. Watch. He's affirming their kindness, specifically their kindness to, and their generosity. He thanks them for sharing his trouble. In verse 14, he said, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. In the original language, the word for share is the same word that we have for fellowship. Anybody know what fellowship is? Come on, we're church folks. We should know what fellowship is, right? It's the only place in the world we use the word fellowship. It's in the church. You, get, you should go to work and say, hey brother, what are you doing for lunch? Let's go fellowship together. Your company will be like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Church folks, we know what fellowship is, right? It's when we gather, we get together, we do life together, we love one another, we embrace relationships, we... We love, like, we're committed to one another. That's what fellowship is. How many of you appreciate fellowship around a potluck? Come on, Jesus. Paul said it was kind of you to fellowship with my trouble, my ministry. Here's what he's saying. The Philippians church had deep abiding relationship and friendship and affirmation with Paul and with the ministry Paul was doing. What he was doing, his trouble, his ministry, they felt deep connection to that. In other words, they, they, they're saying, hey, if Paul's doing that, we're doing that. 
If Paul's planting churches in Thessalonica, we are planting churches in Thessalonica. This is why we call our missions giving partnerships, like Convoy of Hope's our partner, YAPAC Outreach, our partner, Hope Pregnancy Center's our partner, because we wanna have fellowship with what they're doing to extend the gospel to people, right? So when we say we're giving 10% of our income away as a church, it's not just writing checks to people we don't know, it's, peop- it's organizations and ministries and churches that we say we're in partnership with Hope Pregnancy Center to save the lives of unborn babies. We're in partnership with YAPAC to, to take care of the homeless in our community. We're in partnership to feed the world and to, to provide clean water. Paul's saying, my ministry is your ministry. You share a deep connection and a fellowship. And here's what he's saying. You love your pastor. You love the vision God's given him. And they feel deeply tied. I just want to tell you, I'm just so grateful for your generosity and kindness that you show here. Many of you as a church, not all of you, and I want to encourage all of you to take these steps. That's where we're going today. But many of you are already above and beyond givers. Your tithers, 10%, you give offerings beyond that. Many of you share the vision of our church to help build a great church. You're reaching lost people. You're serving on serve day. You're doing life in small groups. You're discovering God's design through our class, our Next Steps class. You're serving people on dream teams. And I just wanna thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing in the ministry of LifePoint Church, for fellowship in believing and partnering with the ministry and the vision of this house. It's not about Mike Burnett, it's about LifePoint and what God's doing here, amen, everyone? And notice what Paul says. No other church except you has done it like this. And I'm just gonna park here for a second because I I just wanna tell you jealously, they are a no other church kind of church. Have you ever known people that you go, I don't know anybody like you? Have you got any coworkers or friends or family? Like you're the only person I've ever met who's, says the things you say or acts the way you act. Sometimes they're your crazy friends. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The jump off a cliff friend. Like, I want desperately, and I've prayed this over LifePoint, that we would be a no other church type of church. Now, I'm not saying any of that to throw shade on other churches or to dig on any other pastor. Listen, I texted all my pastor friends. We have a text thread called the Clarksville Pastor Squad. We are deep, man. We would come at you. Prayer, eat, potlucks. Anyway, I texted all my pastor friends this morning. I said, hey guys, I'm praying for you today. I said, I'm preaching Philippians 4. And Paul says, no other church. He described Philippians as a no other church kind of church. And I said, I'm praying that every church in our city that lifts up the name of Jesus, we'd be a no other church type of church that God in heaven would say, I don't know what anybody else is doing in America, but in Clarksville, my church is doing what nobody else is doing. That's what I'm talking about. I want us to be a no other church type of church. Listen, I love this. I pray that over you, that, 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 that we would be a church that says, hey, whatever it takes to obey God, whatever it takes to walk away from sin, we're not gonna try to hide our sin and keep, and keep it close to us. We're gonna do whatever we can to reach as many people, to feed as many kids, to help as many homeless with YAPAC, to deliver as many meals, God, to help set as many addicts free as possible with the Hope Center. God, we're gonna do whatever we can to feed kids and to empower women, to preach the gospel to this city. And if no other church in our town does that, we will be a no other church kind of church. Y'all hearing what I'm saying, everybody? Let me just challenge you, like be a no other church kind of Christian. I don't care what your Christian friends do. I don't care what your grandmom and them did. Listen, you be a no other Christian, like church kind of Christian. Pray like nobody else. Pray, serve like you've never served before. Attend faithfully like nobody else in your family. Invite people like crazy. Build God's church. Walk in holiness. Repent from sin like no other time in your life. Seek God for revival like no other church. Let's give like no other church. Let's partner in mission like no other church. And I love that Paul said, nobody else is doing this like you Philippians. It's one of the reasons I love this letter. 
because they're such a unique church and Paul knew that and he called it out in them and I'm calling it out in you, LifePoint. Let's do what no one's ever done in this town before and let's lead the way and let's spur other churches onto good works. Let's spur chaplains onto this kind of work. Let's keep going and doing what God has called us to do. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Man, I am really way more excited about this than you. He's, he's talking about their giving. He said, nobody's given to me like you have. Time and again, look at this. Once and again, in partnership, no church. They, not only are you giving for, to me, but you're receiving from me. Only you guys. And then he says again, like kind of like disclaimer pastor. He goes, look, not that I seek your gift. I just wanna tell you, every pastor hates talking to their churches about money because there are people in the church that are like, oh, the pastor just wants our money. So this is Paul pushing back. I'm not after your money either. Can I just tell you, look what Paul says. I'm not after your gift. I'm after the fruit of your gift that increases to your credit. Look what he says. I've received full payment and more. And, and, and I just wanna tell you, like our staff, we're, our, our board takes good care of us. Our team is, is taken care of. There's nobody on our staff getting a, a commission check off of your giving. We don't get a cut as we give more. Like we're, we're taken care of by our board and they're gracious to us. Paul says, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. In fact, he gives the, he said, Epaphroditus brought the gifts you sent me. If you remember Epaphroditus a couple chapters ago, was one of the guys mentioned, and now he's the legacy pastor. He's bringing the, the care package with the peanut brittle, you know what I'm saying? The Miss Lucille's syrups, whatever. He says, I've got the gifts. Look what he calls the gifts that they've sent him. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul's like, listen, I'm not after your money. I'm, I'm taken care of. And let me just tell you, I feel the same way. Like God's been good to our team. This is not, when, when we talk about everybody serving and everybody giving, this is not for, for us. This is for what we're after together. Paul says, I'm not after your money, but I seek the fruit of what we can do together. The reason I showed you a video of kids around the world is because I wanna put into you a vision that you can be a part of doing something like that. I wanna challenge you with this text. If you're not a regular tither, that's where you start. I believe tithing pays for the church. Offerings allows us to extend beyond the church, but tithing pays for the church. Could you, listen, here's what I know. I did the math, I've done the study, the demographic study, I wanna be an expert on our city. It's getting louder in the rain here. So I'm just gonna yell like I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Here's what I know. Based on the average income of our city and how many families attend our church. Are you ready? I'm gonna just give you some news. Currently, we're about 44% behind the giving potential of our church. What that means is 44% of our church aren't tithing. You wanna know the numbers? I know, I already know them, so I don't need to know. Like, I'm just asking you. Like, right now we're on pace to have about a $10 million annual income this year. And some of you are like, 10 million bucks, that's amazing. Yeah, until you're building more campuses and continue to do more ministry. The, the, the challenge with growth is God expects more from you, right? Too much is given, God requires more. So as we're growing and we're building a new campus, here's what we've, we've discovered from just doing the math. The giving potential of our church at our current size based on our current income of our city is 15 to 17 million. So that means we're about 43% behind what's giving potential if every family would just tithe. You know what that would mean? We'd pay cash for that building. Our fundraising efforts would be real short 
because we just write the checks as we built it. Come on, Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, Lord. (laughs) Dave Ramsey would be proud and so would Jesus and so would your pastor. I'm just encouraging you to like, let's go. Let's, Let's move forward. Let's share in this thing together. Let's build a church for the kingdom of God. Church is not a place you go. Church is a family you belong to and we build together for the glory of Jesus Christ. I would encourage you to serve on a team. Don't let others serve you. Get on the team and serve. I would encourage you to flex your gifts, give away your time. If you're not inviting people to know Christ and attend your church, this is your time to become an inviter. And let's join our forward campaign to build our next campus on Tiny Town Road. In fact, let me put a little vision in your mind. I wanna show you again an updated version of our, our new campus that we're building on Tiny Town Road that we get to go do this together and I'm so inspired by it. Check this out. There's such a joy when we partner together to see the vision of God's church. Listen, no other church, like we're gonna be a no other church. And and here's what I know, other churches are following our lead. Other churches are getting inspired to do it as well, what no other church has ever done in our city's history. But listen, I want you to understand, we're not after your money, we're after the fruit of what we can do together. You know what that building's gonna do? It's gonna allow for thousands of people to hear the gospel, to dedicate their babies, to baptize new believers, to be called into ministry, to go forth in the name of Jesus and come and enter heaven together with us. The reason we're doing that is not just to have a building, it's to reach the city for Jesus. Can I hear an amen from somebody today? My goodness. The buildings we build, the fruit of your giving, the children will feed, The water will provide, the homeless will help, families will counsel, the addicts who will receive deliverance. We're not after your money, we're after a vision. And Paul said, you're the only church that gets it. So life point, will we be a no other church church? Look what he says about it. That's a fragrant offering, acceptable to God, pleasing to God. So here's what I wanna end with in the last couple minutes, God's promise for generous people. This is the promise you can lean in on. Remember, in the whole chapter, he said, pray about everything, get your mind right, rejoice all the time, be kind to everyone, be reasonable. And in this giving and receiving, many of us, we go, well, if I give this away, how can I take care of my family? If I serve these hours, what am I gonna do with my calendar? Here's the promise, he says, and my God will supply every need. Everybody say every need. Not just some needs. Did he say every need? every need of yours. Did you know you're not your provider? God is your provider. And my God shall supply every need of yours according to what? His riches. I don't know if you know this or not, but he's got way more supply than you can ever come up with. He's got way more than Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos. What's his name with Twitter? All of them. He's got more than everybody ever thought about even having. 
He said, and my God will supply every need of yours, not just your financial needs, your emotional needs, your marital needs, your relational needs, your health needs. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever. Amen. Man, I wanna get this deep in your spirit. The joy of serving Jesus includes the joy of being a generous person. And there's a challenge for us to be a no other, like no other church church that we would let generosity be a part of our joy in following Christ. Every need of yours is on God's mind and he'll provide. I think it's like the Lord saying, hey, if you will think about my house, I'm gonna think about your house. If you'll take care of my needs, listen, God uses the church. He doesn't need us. He invites us in to be a part of this thing. And he says, and I'll take care of every need of yours according to my riches, my glory in Christ Jesus. So let me just ask you three questions as we close. What if we, first of all, decide to trust God's plan? God's plan. Trust the secret of God. What's the secret? I can do everything through Jesus. I can have highs and lows. I can have strengths and weakness. I can have good days and bad, and I can survive it all because I'm close to Jesus. What if we this year, just the rest of this year, build our life in Christ, grow your prayer life, grow your time in scripture, like build an abiding life in Jesus and learn that the secret of of centeredness and contentment is a life with Christ. What if second, we choose to be a no other church type of church? Anybody down with that besides me? Like I pray that over you. I want us to be a no other church kind of church. I love when people come here and they're like, I've never been to a church like this. That's right, because we're a no other church type of church. And I want every church in our town to feel the same way. I'm telling you, I want that for us. I think the church of Jesus Christ should be a place like nowhere else on the planet. So let's lead the way there that we'd attend like never before, pray like never before, give like never before, and serve like never before. And finally, what if we would decide to trust in Jesus, choose to be a no other church type church? And finally, what if we would commit to sharing and fellowshipping in the ministry that God's calling us to as our church together? I mean, really going for it. Give God a year. Listen, give God a year of his playbook. Go to church, give faithfully, attend, serve, on a dream team, be a part of a small group. Give God one year as a tither and watch the joy of the Lord grow in you. Watch the peace of God expand in your life. Watch the promise of God who says, I will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Would you give God the next 12 months? I mean, you've given God your eternal life. How about giving him more of this life? Say, God, I'm gonna give you the next 12 months. I'm gonna go all in with your playbook. I'm gonna fellowship with my church. I'm gonna be in a small group. I'm gonna grow in the, in the devotions that you've asked me to grow in and watch the Lord surprise you with his blessing to the glory of God forever, amen. Amen, everybody. Come on, let's pray together and we'll get you to go get your kids. Father, we love you and thank God for your presence with us today. We thank you, Lord, for this word in Philippians chapter four, challenging us, calling us forward to trust Jesus to be the secret of a life centered and content and joy-filled. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name that we can grow in our relationship with Christ, grow in our devotion to Jesus, to have a prayer life and worship time and and devotion to the scripture and to you. Lord, thank you that you would grow us to walk with Jesus every day. Thank you, Lord God, that we can be a no other church type of church. I pray that everybody listening to this message will take the steps forward to say, I'm gonna do it like God says. I'm gonna give, serve, pray, attend. I'm gonna be generous. I'm gonna go all in and be a no other church type of church. And I'm gonna trust you, Lord, to supply all my need according to your riches and glory in Christ. Would you pray this 
with me around the room. Come on, open your hands and pray this with me. Say, God, I'm all in. Say, I believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for me and raised from the dead to give me eternal life. I give you my whole life. I receive it by faith. I'm all in like no other time before. I'm all in, in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, let's say amen together. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our message. My prayer for you is that you've been inspired and challenged by the message and also moved in your devotion to Jesus. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, stay connected or even partner with us through generosity, please be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope you have a blessed week and we will see you next Sunday.